The Jenny Hat Show at Colin, and this is the episode 20 of the Husband and Wife Home Birth Chat. Welcome, welcome. And it is wonderful to see that I already have a visitor. John, if you want to say something, just hit the, the room button to join me in the queue. Boy, isn't it just a crazy time to be alive on planet Earth? That's all I know. It's great uh, seeing you again. Uh, it's been a while, and I'm looking forward to hearing about this whole husband and wife home birth chat thing. Cool. <laughs> well, I don't know if you saw the story, but it was out of Ukraine, and I read it in the Daily Mail. But there was a little baby that was born to a 23-year-old mother in an underground passageway bomb shelter in the Ukraine. And it was just illustrative of what I teach, that I think many people in Ukraine were surprised by the invasion. And here's this mom, and she had to give birth completely alone in the in the underground bunker. And here's this baby, and they were heralding it as just this wonderful blessing the, the Ukrainians were just saying it's a sign of hope for this little baby to be born. But really an example of what I teach, that you just never know what's around the corner. And even if you're an American and you've grown up under peacetime conditions and you just feel like the infrastructures that are in place to provide you with support to give birth, whether it's in a hospital or even a home birth with a midwife, um, sometimes even that may not be available to you. And so what I have taught going on now for like 30 years is that it is just wise for parents to learn the fundamentals of emergency childbirth so that should the conditions present where they would just have to deliver the baby themselves, they know just the fundamentals of how to catch a baby. It's really straightforward. There's not a lot of technical know-how. And the obstetricians know this. They know that the biggest problems, the most deadly problems happen when the baby doesn't come out. And so, you know, of course, they have all of their surgeries and tools and medications to help during those scenarios. But under a raw situation where a mom is just giving birth naturally, spontaneously, most babies are born easily, head first, 
And if you just know some things to help the mom be more comfortable and then kind of be prepared to deal with the babies out, we need to keep it warm. What do we do with the cord? What do we do with the placenta? These are just basic fundamental things. And so I just encourage to be in a place of common sense and just kind of troubleshooting and maybe have a few supplies at home to help in case this happens. And that the parents who who really take this responsibility seriously are the ones who I think will have a better time if it's a wartime condition. And just before I came on here, I saw that Ukraine is under a nuclear threat right now. And so I don't know what's happening behind the scenes that would make them call for that, but it's really escalating. And so it's just a good time for all of us to be aware that if we get into a truly hot war, and there's nothing hotter than a nuclear war, uh, we just want to be ready. And so that's my message. What do you think, John? You're not married. Are you a single guy? Yeah, I'm a single guy. But, you know, I feel like sometimes you get caught into weird situations. Like I know that sometimes people give birth on planes. So I think it's like a really good know-how to have. It is. I, the jo- the joke is the baby that's born in the taxi or the baby that's born in the Uber because mom's, fly- <laughs> mom's flying to the hospital and, oh, it comes out too soon. And what do you see in the newspapers whenever they report these stories? The final line of every article I've ever seen is mother and baby are doing fine, right? Have you ever seen a situation where like, oh, the mom keeled over dead and the baby's dead and they sh- just should have gotten to the hospital sooner? No, most babies that are born under an emergency situation, they're going to be fine. You just want to have some, some things prepared that, you know, mom's just given birth. She's going to need something to drink. She's going to need some food. You want to be prepared to help take care of the baby in a sensible way. It's going to want to breastfeed. You know, these are just the the common sense things that I teach people to just think it through instead of depending on someone else to come in and kind of manage things for you. No, my message to young families is you can manage it yourself and to just be brave and recognize that world conditions are are such that this is just such a practical way to approach to approach family life that you almost, it's not even that hard of a sell right now under COVID and shipping container issues. And now we've got this war coming. And so my message to everyone is take it seriously. I have, have, sorry, I have like a small question for you. Okay. You might talk about it. I don't know. Um, But when giving like emergency births or home births, obviously you're not around like medical supplies or like sterilized conditions. would it be better to do like squat births or would, or is it still preferable to do the standard back births? Well, the absolute worst position for a woman to give birth is on her back. And the Uh reason why is that because the baby has to come up over her tailbone. And so as she's being, as the baby's being born, it, it, you're not utilizing gravity. The baby has to go up and then around. And the best way to compare that is think about, having a bowel movement on a bedpan in a hospital. You know, anybody who's tried to do that, it's very, very illustrative of how it is for a woman to give birth on her back. So yes, totally into squatting. My two home births, I was in a standing squat. Gravity's working for you. It's easier to get the baby's shoulders born, which as as challenging as it can be to get the head out, sometimes it's even more to get the shoulders out. And if the mom's upright and the shoulders just kind of twist and slide through, so much smoother, so much easier. So yeah, 
again, common sense, right? Any other comments or thoughts, John? I know this is probably supremely awkward for you as a young, um, young male to be discussing childbirth, but I love, I love that you showed up. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I mean, for me, I talk about stuff like this, whether it's birth, sex, or any of that sort of stuff. Um, I don't really see it as, I guess, too awkward. I guess for me, it's sometimes just wondering, I'm wondering, like, am I sort of out of my element because I may not be able to understand a certain thing um, or I may not be able to relate with it too well. But I would say that, yeah, no, I, I would say that my Let, other... Let's, com- let's oh. put it this way. If you were in that situation as the Uber driver and the taxi driver and there was a pregnant woman in the back seat about to have a baby... Would you like to know the fundamentals of how to help her? Yes, definitely. Okay, so let me just give you a five-minute quick overview of what you would do in that situation. Number one, you want to help her keep, keep her hydrated. So whether she has a water bottle or you have a water bottle, you want to give her a drink because childbirth is a, is a physical, very, you know, just hard, difficult thing for a woman to do. So hydration is number one. Then as the baby's crowning, you want to have something in your hands, like a T-shirt, your own shirt, you know, something that's kind of a piece of fabric to kind of help catch the baby. Because as the baby comes out, it's slippery. And so you want to just be ready to kind of catch the baby just so you don't drop it. And whether the mother's standing up or she's on her hands and knees or just her legs up in the air, you want to be ready to just catch the baby. And then there's some other things you can do. You can just encourage her to, um, you don't have to tell her to push. But you can just encourage her to remind her to breathe, breathe slowly, breathe calmly, and you stay as calm as you can because she'll pick up on your energy. And then after the baby comes out, you know, again, noted that it's much easier to get the shoulders out if mom's upright. Once the baby's out, you want to put baby skin to skin with the mom on her chest. And the reason why is because she can act like an incubator for the baby. And and the baby's happiest on mom's chest. So go ahead and kind of wrap the baby up. And then as the placenta comes down, you want to catch it and then um, wrap it up with the baby as one thing. You don't have to go all crazy like, oh, got to cut the cord, get it, uh, get it detached from the baby. There's blood in that cord that the baby can use. And so you just wrap it up with the baby. Don't need to get all crazy about cutting the cord. Sometimes people are like, oh, get a rusty pair of scissors. No, you don't need to cut the cord. Just Hold it with the baby and then whatever the next step is, whether it's you're heading to the hospital or you're taking her home or whatever, you just want to think of the mom and the baby as one thing, you know, that needs to be hydrated and fed and kept warm. Again, common sense. And then recognize this is so missed in hospital births that if the mother will breastfeed immediately, that sends contractions into her uterus that help the placenta to detach. And so it's just nature's way of getting that placenta to come down. So if the mom doesn't know that, encourage her to go ahead and try to feed the baby. She may feel a little self-conscious with you there, but you can cover her up with something and just say, go for it. Try and nurse the baby. And that is the best thing to do to help the mom and the baby immediately after birth. So just go ahead and breastfeed. So little tutorial, tuck that away. You never know, John. I mean, I, I I think it's like actually like really good information to have because on the side I do um, do like Uber and Lyft. So that is actually like a good 
just in case. Obviously, like knock on wood, hope to God that doesn't happen. That's good information. Yeah, and good information is just common sense, just practical stuff that everybody should know. And yet it's crazy in 21st century America that so many people don't know these facts. And so, um, and, they, and they're always looking for someone else. Well, let's call 911 or we need a police officer or we need some authority to help us in this situation. Well, what if they're not available? You know, what if you're just in a situation where this mom's gone into labor and it's just you? Well, you can handle it. And the other thing I'll add, and I don't know if you're a person of faith, but every time I've been in a, at a birth, I just pray and ask Heavenly Father to help me to know how to help. And quite often I have been guided. There was one time the mom, her placenta was detained. It was not coming down. She had just given birth to a 10-pound girl. This baby was huge. The placenta was huge, and it would not release. And I was just, oh, what do I do? What do I do? I didn't want to yank on it because sometimes the mom can hemorrhage if you pull it out too soon. But I said a prayer, and I just was like, please, Father, just help the placenta to come down. Next thing I know, mom's going, it's out. She was in the bathroom trying to get it to come out. And so we prayed that placenta out. And I often turn to the Lord in times when I'm just over my head and I don't know what to do. And in that case, I felt like we had a real legitimate miracle. And so I tap into that power when I need to. But it's a resource for all of us. If you're a person of faith, give it a try. So how is your show going, John? You know, honestly... I haven't actually started one in like a bit. I did like one episode and then I've just been like so busy with like work and school and then like running a campaign and all this and that, that I just haven't had like too much time to like sit down, just like really chat a whole lot. And then the one I did do, I forgot to like save. So that was, Oh, I've done that. I know. I was, I was like, oh, yay, that was a fun one. There was, like, a lot of engagement with it. Uh, like, people were, were talking. And I was like, yay. And then I just didn't save it. <laughs> well, it cracks me up that almost every time I'm on call and here's Mason doing another show, he is just rocking. I know. I know. And he keeps asking me to, like, join in. But every time he does a show, I'm working. I'm like, bro, <laughs> <laughs> you know my work schedule. Like, don't, like like hit me up like at six o'clock when I'm like halfway through a shift and be like, yo, can you hop on? I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't. Well, I'm just so proud of him because I could tell at that first show that you did, he was a little bit nervous. Like, is this going to work? Will anybody be interested? He's getting more traffic than I am. And I've been here for months. So. Oh, is wait, is he? I haven't seen his show in a bit actually. Yeah, just go look at the numbers. I mean, a few of them, he had over a hundred people listen and it's like, <sighs> They're just loving what he has to say. So hmm, let me awesome. see. Mason. Oh wow. Okay. He's really just, you know, kind of taking the bull by the horns and is, is speaking his truth. Yes, so, he has. So, so what do you think about Ukraine and the war and what's going on? So for me, <laughs> I'm Russian. So this is where it already becomes what, like a hard thing. What generation? Uh first. Wow. So you grew up in Russia? Uh, I grew up in Latvia, but oh, so wow. so Latvia has a very strict policy on um, on citizenship, and they considered anyone who came over to Latvia, um, whether or not. Um, so they considered anyone who came over to Latvia during the USSR um, who wasn't 
whose family wasn't from Latvia as non-citizens. And so because my father came to Latvia during the USSR, he wasn't a citizen. So when I was born, I wasn't granted citizenship. I was considered illegal in my own country, despite growing up there, despite... Um, wow. Yeah. And so, and I believe there are 300,000 um, uh, people in, in Latvia um, with um, with a non-citizen status in a country of only 1.2 million. That's huge. And so, and so for me... I never really felt at home there. And the one, I guess the one sort of government that made me feel like wanted if, um, when I was there was the Russian government. And so I understand why the Donbass um, regions with, with Luhansk and um, Donetsk feel that way. I totally get it. At the same time, this entire war is 100% in my opinion, a bad war. Um, I would say, even the, even w- with that opinion, I don't believe the United States should necessarily be getting involved, and we should be doing our um, doing our best to mitigate um, further tensions. But it seems like we're trying to make it worse, in my opinion, because I'm anti-war oh, 100%. I totally agree. I think the Biden administration wants the war. I yeah. think the media wants the war. It's the military-industrial complex. Yeah, once we once we left Afghanistan, there was nothing else for them to fill their pockets with, and so now they see Ukraine as an opportunity. I totally agree. Oh, that's amazing. So how old were you when you came to the United States, and are you now a citizen here? Yeah, so, so I'm adopted. Um so I went through, I believe it was three sets of parents. They kept taking, they so they kept adopting my sister and I, and then sending us back, adopting us, sending us back. And, I, so, and so we finally found a family that wanted us. And so I came to the United States when I was around six years old, around six. Um, but even then, that was enough to know, like, um, that was like enough to know uh, how you were viewed in society because out there it's a it's a much different world than here it's very ethnically split um in that your ethnic identity determines your social class um so you can have so you can be latvian you can speak latvian but if you let's say you have 30 percent russian blood in you you are already far different than someone who has let's say only five percent russian blood and that and so that creates tensions and that creates um like massive prejudices towards one another and so from a young age from a very early age you sort of figure that out you sort of grow up in that and you have to figure out how it is you try and get around it or work within that system wow yeah and have you have you stayed close to your adoptive family do you consider them mom and dad and you know yeah, so um, so the people who adopted me are Americans. So when I came to the United States, I got citizenship and everything, which was which is like knock on wood, amazing because that way I don't have to worry about it. Um, so but as for my birth parents and everything and the previous parents, no. So my father died. Um, 
Your biological, when, biological Yeah, my biological father died um, when he was 21. And my mother, I believe, was like 19 at the time. And so she couldn't take care of my sister and I. So she just like left my sister and I and then, and then just disappeared. Um, the other two, um, the, the other two sets of parents, um, one of them wanted a son and daughter. So they decided to adopt. And then they were like, oh, instead we want biological children. We don't want to adopt. So even though we already adopted you, we're going to send you back and then try for our own kids. That were these, was... Were these Americans? No, these were Latvians. Oh. Yeah. Um. So that, so that family basically just wasn't thinking exactly what they what it is that they wanted and then there was another family who were just doing it for money kind of like the u.s foster system there was an incentive for latvians to um, adopt latvian children and so that wasn't a very good situation and then and then they then my current parents um came along and they chose to adopt and they kept us. So that's a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, I, I, for me, I would say parents are not people who give birth to you. They are the people who take care of you and love you. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you've had that feeling of home and citizenship. And, you know, I, I have two, uh, a niece and a nephew who are adopted from the Ukraine and they were older children in the orphanage. And, their, my sister-in-law and her husband decided to adopt them because they had heard that in Ukraine, once these kids age out of the orphanages, when they're 15, the only way they have to support themselves is with prostitution. Same, same thing in Latvia. We have the um, biggest sex tourism industry in Europe. Um, and except in Latvia, I believe when it's when you're 13, you're kicked out. And wow. so... And so a lot of um, boys and girls do end up resorting to that. And it's quite a shocking thing. And it's quite a sad thing as well. Yeah. I, I remember just being amazed that my my sister-in-law and her family would, you know, they already had eight children of their own. And to bring in two more children, it was like thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 to adopt them. And yet they really felt like they were saving them from just this horrifying life and were willing to do it just to try and help. And I don't I don't know that I could do that. I don't know if I have the heart of someone who could bring someone into my home and love them like they have. It's been such a great example to me of just pure Christ-like love. Yeah, I would also say that for many people as well, adoption on top of already having biological kids is a huge expense. And so obviously having the means to support those children and go through the, those steps and go through um, all the time and rigorous um, background checks, you have to be somewhat privileged to be able to do that as well. And so like, honestly, props to them for staying committed because a lot of people tend to usually buckle under the adoption process pressure and just back out. Yeah, it was a unique situation because they were part of a church community where a bunch of their fellow members decided to adopt older children from the same orphanage. So it was a whole group of them who adopted all these kids from Ukraine and brought them over to their community and just raised them all together. And I think they have a real sense of family and network 
with the other kids who were had the same upbringing. And um, they all went and demonstrated yesterday at the Capitol in Utah. And um, it was just joyful to see all the photographs and videos my niece was sharing on her Instagram because, you know, it was it was a moment for them to stand up for their their home country. Well, I think I'll wind down the show. I, I'm trying to get this chat going on Sunday nights for pregnant couples, but they just haven't discovered it yet. So I'm oh. so I'm so happy to talk to you, John. I'm so glad you showed up. I so prefer doing this than just a little monologue. But as always, my challenge is to everyone to click over to my blog. I put the show, the link up in the show page for more information about family birth. It's also called free birth or unassisted childbirth. There are many couples who have decided to live this lifestyle of the sovereign family where they're basically taking responsibility for every bit and particle of family life, including their births. And there are many families out there who've had all of their children at home like this. It's not just the Amish. It's, it's many families in America and around the world. And whether it's for economic reasons or health reasons or because the moms just perceive that hospital birth is a little bit over-medicated, too much surgery, whatever reason families are choosing to do this, there is a body of work out there to help educate and inform. And it's mostly been prepared and made into curriculum by the families themselves. So I have many links on that show page to guide people to good information. There's peer mentoring from other moms and dads if you're looking for some support. And as I said, I think every couple should learn the fundamentals of emergency childbirth just in case we have martial law in America and things get shut down and hospitals are overrun with sick people or what have you. It's just a great thing to do to prepare as you're getting ready to be a mom or a dad. So thanks, John, again, for stopping by. It always makes it more fun.